So perhaps in a little tongue-in-cheek moment, for, for those of you who, who might have noticed, I don't tend to give a title to my sermon at the beginning of the week because by the time I get to today, I don't know if it's going to change. But this morning, I, I just thought, ugh. Apparently, it was a good title. Because we welcome this year with a little bit of trepidation. You know, cases are as bad in, in Duval County as they've ever been, rivaling the summer wave. But here's the thing. What took basically a month to achieve back in the summer, this current wave only took a week, which is alarming. So we're likely going to be buckling up again and getting ready for the worst case wave yet of COVID. Again, the, the silver lining to it is hospitalizations and deaths have not gone up. But as I said earlier at the beginning of the service, I'm feeling it more this time around, and, and, and maybe you are too. There's times when I honestly feel like this should be all over by now. I know I've mentioned before when this all got started, I remember the last uh, service I was at in March of 2020, and I remember saying to the congregation, well, you know, just wash hands and not shake hands as much and, and we'll be fine. Uh, you know, how naive that was. I remember writing a letter saying, well, you know, it's March now, but we'll be back together in full by Easter. That yeah, was optimistic. And now we're here at the beginning of 2022, and there's times when I just want to throw up my hands and say, enough is enough. Haven't we done enough? I have worn so many masks. I am shocked I do not have tan lines in my face. People have been hurt, and not just by having the virus, but the conflicts, the difficulties, the tensions of trying to walk a, walk a very narrow path. You know, I joke all the time that my goal as a pastor is to make everybody equally unhappy. And I do all that I can, because if everybody can be equally unhappy, then that means we're all generally happy. And that's my goal. So there's always going to be some folks who are going to look at what we're doing and the session uh, collectively trying to make calls about what we do, and there's going to be folks who say, that's a great decision. There's going to be folks who say, that's not nearly enough. Why haven't you gone virtual again? And then there's going to be folks who say, I'm never wearing a mask again, and you can't stop me. Do you know what? We're called to love all of them, so we keep going. But it's that tension, it's that strife, that strain that continues to carry us day after day and week after week, and only gets more acute when we see these numbers go up again, and we've got to make changes. Haven't we done enough? And like I said, it's hard to invite folks not to participate in person. What other organization, what other nonprofit, what other type of place, when it's built on community, the fact that we gather together, we're in the same place, tells themselves that it's best not to invite people to participate fully. I mean, that just, it's crazy. We just ought to acknowledge at some point the fact that I will continue to say, you know what, if you have any sort of concerns, better to stay home. Again, because we've got a really nice online service now. But somewhere in the back of my, my mind, I'm thinking, who does that? If you, were, if you were a trampoline park manager and you told all the kids you can't go jumping on the trampoline, it does not do very good returns for you. And so here we're kind of caught in the same 
situation. And this week does mark another couple dual anniversaries. For me personally, it has been a year since the staff and myself included contracted COVID. Now, for me, thanks be to God, it was two and a half weeks of laying in bed and binge-watching The Office. That's the worst that we had, my whole family. But I still don't smell right a year in. Not me, personally. (laughs) My sense of smell is not correct. Which does not give me any guarantee that I do smell right. But most things I eat now, uh, most things I smell now, have some sort of slightly molded over smell to them. And the things that I love the most, the smells I love so most, the smell after a rainfall, which is, you know, something you get all the time in Florida, or, or fresh cut grass, I, I don't smell yet. And a year in, I might not ever smell again. Same thing with Lindsay. We continue to deal with asnomia. It's also been a year since the storming of the Capitol, which, you know, I understand people have different political perspectives on that, but it was not a good time. It was not a good look for our country. No matter what you, or where you're at, it's people going into an institution and making a mess of it, it, it's not a good look. And for goodness sakes, Betty White died. John Madden died, and for anybody who's like watched football for any period of time, to hear John Madden passed away, and then Betty White died, it's just a lot, ugh, right? All this to say is that I don't feel the same excitement coming into this Sunday. And one of the things I love, and it's something you all have told me multiple times, is you love the energy I bring. You love the excitement, and I just don't have it today. And it's an interesting question that I think we all have to ask. When we all come here, not just me, can we bring our one-off days? Can clergy really be worn down in the pulpit? Is it okay to come in and we all say, you know what, this is lousy? Because if I'm perfectly honest, this is a kind of day where I don't sense God as much as I'd like to. Which hopefully does not make you run to the door. And this may be why John 1.18 was so striking over the last couple weeks. Friends, this isn't some sort of accidental translation error. I went back this morning, translated it myself, double-checked. It's also not a verse in the middle of this big, beautiful John 1 text that we hear all the time that we think about, especially because it's what I call a tapestry text, right? It's one we hear all the time, all the time. It's part of so many services that eventually it just becomes wallpaper on our hearts, on our spiritual journeys. And so we hear it all the time, like wallpaper. You notice it a lot, but you don't really stare at it. You don't really engage it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. We hear it so many times, we just sort of let it drone on. But right here in writing, John says that no one has ever seen God. Full stop. No one has ever seen God. We witness God through Jesus, but that's it. 
So I think from the outset, we can acknowledge that if for some reason you don't sense God as much as you'd like to, or you don't see God as much as you want to, it's no surprise because that's something people cannot do, according to John here in the beginning of John 1, or the beginning of John in chapter 1. And remember, the Gospel of John is like superhero Jesus, amazing, fully God, fully human God that is like amazing, full of life, full of just miracles and magic. But no one can see God. Yet John still develops this beautiful prologue about Jesus. All the verses before, the Logos, with God throughout all time. And honestly, as I read this again, I found that you could almost distill the entirety of the good news, the entirety of the gospel, down to just these 18 verses. But even it isn't all sunshine and rainbows. We hear about darkness versus light, a lack of acceptance. But in the end, good prevails. And in the midst of moments that seem lost, there is grace. And not just grace, but grace upon grace. This is the story we also hear in Jeremiah. The end sounds beautiful. A banquet and a bounty as people are gathered together. But you know what, friends? If you have to be gathered, it must mean that you have been scattered. And we see that as well. It wasn't all that great for the Israelites. At this point in the text in Jeremiah, bad things have come onto the people. And I wonder, in the midst of all that scattering, did people see God? But the happy ending is still there. They were brought back, consoled, and they were healed. So even in the midst of not seeing God, there is some knowledge of a resolve, of a happy ending. That knowledge might be what keeps us moving through the motions where we can't completely bring 100% of ourselves to this faith journey. So what do we do? I mean, listen, maybe y'all are coming in here and you're like tip-top feeling amazing and I'm sorry I sort of wasted a sermon on this Sunday. I apologize. But my guess is, and after talking to some of you, you might be feeling similarly. I mean, if anything, it's the holiday blues after all the adrenaline of the last week and we sort of recover and we take a step back. So I think... In the week in, week out, one-offs should just be one-offs. Friends, no one goes to hell on a week of not being sure. Friends, no one goes to hell because they say out loud that they're not so sure about God. No one's going to go to hell if they're like, listen, this COVID thing is exhausting, and I just want to know why God continues to have this happen. In fact, if we do take John seriously, we might be fooling ourselves if we think we see God the Father all that often. It might be more honest to say, I don't know what God's doing. Hard for me to tell. So yeah, if you have a lousy week or you're burdened by the news and it all seems a little dark, you can just feel safe to acknowledge it. And for goodness sakes, if there's any place where you should feel safe to acknowledge that you're feeling 
lousy about the God thing. It should be right here in the church. It's almost like we're afraid if we stand up here and we take your attention and we say, y'all, it's tough sometimes. It's almost we're afraid to acknowledge the reality of a faith journey. It's like we all have to be up here in Pollyannish realities and say, oh, well, you know, if, if you're not feeling it, it's probably your fault. You're probably not praying hard enough. You're not reading scripture enough. You're probably paying too much attention to the world. Let's continue to resolve that this is a safe place to acknowledge all that we feel, good, bad, or otherwise. One-offs are one-offs, but over time, those one-offs can stack up. We begin to feel exhausted. We begin to really wonder, and those doubts begin to take shape. When it's time for that reboot, it may be looking for lights and darkness that however dimly for us at any time show up, do show us Jesus still at work in this world. What if, when you're feeling down on a Sunday and you're questioning this whole thing, what if you just said to yourself, I'm going to go through the motions this week? What if you just said, even if I'm not really feeling it, I'm just going to love God as much as I can offer and my neighbor as myself? You don't have to completely have your heart in it, but just do those things. You know, I, I might go give a little extra time. I might just go. I know I've been talking about going to serve at the homeless shelter. Or I know I've been meaning to call this person I haven't talked to in a while. I'm not really feeling it, but maybe this week I'll actually give it a shot. Those going through the motion moments still become sparks of light for others. And in the darkest pitch black moments, even the dimmest, briefest spark is still very noticeable. Friends, you can be Jesus for somebody else and not feel like it at all. A handshake and gesture and acknowledgement, loving the neighbor as yourself, even when you're not feeling very loving, it's just enough to witness Jesus because the light will never be overcome by the darkness. And even if that spark is dim because you're like, I can only do so much, lots and lots of little dim sparks become greater and greater. You just experienced this a couple weeks ago at Christmas Eve. None of those candles on their own is going to take you much of anywhere in the dark. But you get 150 of them all lit up at the same time, well, now you can navigate. However dim the going through the motions sparks become, as we all do them together, the light grows. It overcomes the darkness. And maybe as those dim lights become brighter, we do see a little bit of that happy ending at the road. Maybe if enough of us are gathering together as best we can and we try to prepare a banquet as best we can that shows us, however dimly, what God is talking about with God's people. 
Maybe if we do what we can to see good things happen in this world and love our neighbor as ourselves, we see the ministry of Jesus enacted even if it is in the most broken way possible. And when we see those things, it's no longer just an abstract knowledge. But it's a moment to mark. It's a moment to remember again when we have a one-off moment. Yeah, but even in this one-off moment, good things are happening. Even in the midst of my exhaustion, I watched my children play with other neighborhood kids outside. I saw joy in their eyes. Even in the midst of having to go for the 50th time to Walmart and don my mask again because I'm still getting stuff prepared for the house, I just took a day and I said, look at the folks around you. Watch their interactions. I saw mothers hugging children. I saw people laughing. Even in a den of a lot of commerce where we're going back and forth and spending money, but I saw life there. I saw a little bit more light in the darkness. For many of us, Christmas cards might be just one-off things that we trudge through in October. <laughs> because we know they got to get done. But you know how beautiful it is to receive one of those cards? Somebody paid attention enough to give you something? And you mark those things. Friends, like I said, it's a tough week for me. And I'd rather be honest with you than try to hide it. And if I'm honest, maybe this sermon is as much for me as it is for any of you. Let's just do the best we can. It's not the sexiest sermon ending. It's not the most glamorous, but I hope it's the most honest. In a year that's not shaping up to look terribly exciting, there may be spots along the journey where the light really does overcome the darkness. Thanks be to God.